Welcome everybody who is looking in and checking this out today, whether you are live here with me in the room or perhaps you're watching online right now or maybe in the classic venue. Welcome to you guys this Thanksgiving Sunday morning and also those of you on the Moon campus. Just good to have this opportunity to be together and look into God's Word. There was a Denver-based research company that did a survey of 450 U.S. households, and they asked them if they could identify the real reason for celebrating Thanksgiving. And about 60% of those people responded by saying that it's actually, it was actually an ancient uh, ritual in England that was imported into the U.S., Another 12% of people said that it was celebrating NATO's victory in World War II. And 4% of people, 4% of people said that the reason that it was celebrated, the reason that we celebrate Thanksgiving was, if I can remember, oh, it was because it was so interesting, I had forgotten it, it, uh, it was because it was celebrating the United States' victory over Canada in the Great Canadian War. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I mean, only 4% of people got it right. No, of course they didn't. That, that's not why we celebrate it. If you were paying any attention in grade school, when you came through school, you remember that it's got something to do with this feast that was celebrated between the pilgrims and the Indians just about 400 years ago now at this point. 400 years ago. Now, some of the details about that, there's been a lot of debate and argument exactly as to exactly what happened on that occasion, but one thing we do know is that it was President George Washington who established it, Thanksgiving, as an official holiday in 1789. It was President Roosevelt who declared that it would be celebrated on the fourth Thursday of November every year, which was actually moving it forward a week from where it had been celebrated so that there could be more shopping days between Thanksgiving and Christmas. I'm not making that up. That's actually why they did it, because in those days, they didn't focus, retailers didn't focus on Christmas until after Thanksgiving, just like today. Okay, we know that that's not true, right? We know that's not true. Absolutely. All right, so today, our purpose really isn't to focus on what Thanksgiving meant in the past, but rather what Thanksgiving can mean to the future, because today we are concluding our Future You Sermon series that we've been in for the last number of weeks, and we've been thinking about who it is that we want to become. We've been identifying and recognizing the fact that we don't just become someone because we snap our fingers and say, that's what's true of me. Oftentimes, there are things that we need to begin in a moment so that that might be something that develops in us. And that's what a lot of this series has been about. This is why it can be so challenging for us as Americans in particular, because we like things now. We're an instant culture. We want to have them in the moment. We don't want to have to wait for anything. But sometimes those things that are the greatest benefit to us, those are the greatest attributes that we would want to have be true of us, we need to start in a moment so that we might develop into those people. And that's what we've been thinking about a lot here in this series. And we're wrapping it up today, thinking about what future you might look like if we can learn this idea of living thankful 
Living thankful is what we're going to be talking about here today. Now, of course, we want to be thinking naturally about what we would look like or what living thankful would be like from a scriptural point of view. We want to know what the scriptures have to say about this. So here's what the scriptures have to say about this. They say, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, there have been plenty of sermons that have identified this idea that this is calling us not to give thanks for all circumstances, for everything that happens, regardless of what it is, but rather to be able to give thanks in all circumstances because we recognize that God is at work, that God is sovereign, that God is carrying us toward an outcome and toward a purpose, and that we can recognize that God is at work regardless of what the circumstance might happen to be. Now, we are thinking, certainly the Scriptures identify that there are a number of benefits for for living thankful sorts of lives. But the interesting thing is, I might add to this, is that today science is actually also identifying the fact that there are many benefits to giving thanks. Everything from psychology today to the Mayo Clinic have identified this. They have identified that if we do so, it will do everything from reduce depression to lessen anxiety, to support heart health, to relieve stress, to boost immunity, to improve your mood. It will even help you sleep. Being thankful actually helps you sleep, which makes it appear to me at least one or two of you have already been giving thanks this morning. You know who you are. All right. Well, those are some of the powerful truths that can happen to us in physical realms and mental realms and emotional realms. But today, of course, our focus is also to be looking into what does this do for us spiritually when we are able to live in that way? How is this going to benefit future you? So we're going to go ahead and dig into that. A few things that I want to point out in this regard. The first truth is that living thankful begins where you are. It begins where you are. This may be the most important principle to grasp if we're going to learn the heart of genuine thanksgiving. I read about one boy. He said to his parents, Mom and Dad, I think that we ought to change the order of thanksgiving and Christmas. They said, well, why should we do that? And he said, because it's really only after I get presents that I feel thankful. And so he wanted to turn it around. And and so we kind of snicker at that, but really isn't that a lot of our perspectives oftentimes? And not just the perspective of a young Boy, our level of thankfulness is directly influenced by what we have received lately. At least oftentimes, that's the pattern that we fall into. Now, that seems to, be, to work pretty well as long as you keep receiving. But it could be that you've gone through seasons, you know what I'm talking about, where there are stretches where it seems as though the gifts that are coming in our direction have kind of dried up where you're going through pain, where you're going through hurt, where you've gone through a loss or something of that nature, and it just doesn't feel like there is that much to be thankful for. And if our thanksgiving is tied to good and happy circumstances, season of hardship will also be seasons devoid of gratitude. And we can find ourselves, you might find yourself there even in this moment today. And that flies in the face of what Paul is telling us, teaching us, to give thanks in all circumstances. I think of Jesus' miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. 
which was an amazing miracle to be sure. And as it gets started, you've got all of these people, they're sitting down on the lawn and they need to be fed and there's, there's really not much food around to feed them. In fact, they gather up the things that are there to feed this whole multitude. And does anybody remember how many loaves that they found there when they were looking to see what we have to feed these folks? How many loaves were there? Five, yeah, exactly. Now, can anybody here remember, you and me, can anybody remember how many fish there were? Two. That's excellent. You have great memories and pretty good eyesight. That's good. All right, five loaves and two fish. Well, obviously, that's not going to be enough to feed all of this multitude. So the disciples come up with a different plan. And the disciples' plan is this. Send them all away. Let them go feed themselves which actually wasn't all that unreasonable a plan, but it wasn't Jesus' plan. Jesus had a different plan in mind, and that plan was to feed them. So in Matthew's account, this is what we read. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. It says he gave thanks. This is more than him just praying before the meal. God is great, God is good, and we thank him for the food. It's not just that. Through the lips, over the gums, look out stomach, here it comes. It's not that, all right? And I wouldn't recommend that as a prayer anyway for you. That's not what he is saying here. It's not giving thanks for the miraculous provision of food either. You know why? Because there hasn't been a miraculous provision of food. As Jesus bows to pray, all that there is are five loaves and two fish. Yet enough reason to give thanks. Now you might say, well, couldn't there be a part there that Jesus has enough faith that God the Father is going to do something in response to his prayer? And so, yes, perhaps that could be the case. But his thanksgiving is not predicated on that here in this moment. He's actually giving thanks before the miracle ever happens. See, friends, we don't always know what is going to come Next, but there is always something in the moment that is worthy of us living thankful. We don't have to have Christmas before Thanksgiving. Here's the thing. We don't just give thanks because of what comes. We give thanks because of who is. We give thanks because of the fact that in all circumstances, this is what Paul's getting at, in all circumstances, there is one who is watching out for us. There is one who is providing for us. It might not be everything that you were hoping for. It might not be everything that you necessarily were praying for. But it doesn't mean that God is not at work in our midst, that God is not providing for us, and that there isn't something in that moment for us to be able to recognize. It begins right where we are. It doesn't just begin in where we were or where we're hoping to be. And as we're able to bring ourselves to the place where we offer thanksgiving toward God in the midst of whatever it is that we're going through, we're going to be experiencing some of those mental and emotional and physical and spiritual blessings that he is talking about here. And if we fail to do so, we're setting future you up to be ungrateful dissatisfied, and chronically lacking joy. And some of us find us perhaps in that place even now. We find ourselves almost always dissatisfied. We're chronically lacking joy. Could it be because we're not being able, we're not choosing to recognize the things that God has blessed us with because we're allowing an event, a loss, some circumstance to overwhelm all of the rest of who we are? We can begin where we are. And that's the first thing that we're looking at 
here. It leads to the second one, which is this, that living thankful keeps you in the moment. This is related directly to it. If you ever stop to have a conversation with somebody about the nature of things that are going on in our world, pretty soon somebody is going to start to talk about the way that things used to be. And in very positive terms, like, oh man, I remember when, or in the good old days, and then they'll go on and they'll talk about how those were simpler days and better days and, and more desirable days than the days that we were in. Even VeggieTales has a song called How It Used to Be Talking About the Good Old Days. Don't ask me how I know that. But remembering the past, even better than it was, is a real phenomenon. So much so that it actually has a name. Psychologists call it this, fading affect bias. This is looking on the past in a way that is always rosier than perhaps even what it was. That's a casual way to refer to it. Rosy retrospection. It's looking back and it's saying the way that things were are so much better than the way things are. And we're almost fooling ourselves. In fact, we are fooling ourselves. If you take this all the way to what psychologists help us to understand, we're actually changing the past in our mind to remember it more favorably, sometimes as a coping mechanism to overcome difficult circumstances, to overcome unpleasant memories, all those sorts of things. It's a real thing, rosy retrospection. It's where we see almost everything in the past as being superior to what is today. Apparently, forgetting Barney, and, and SpongeBob SquarePants, and having to rewind your Blockbuster video and dial up internet, and just having those three channels and that weird UHF one, you know, with the round antenna. Some of you are old enough to remember with me on that one there, right? It wasn't all that rosy. In fact, a writer from the New York Times stated this said, In every age, the good old days was a myth. No one ever thought they were good at the time, for every age has consisted of crises that seemed intolerable to the people who lived through them. Right? Now, the reason this matters when it comes to living thankful is because if you're glamorizing the past, you're downgrading the present. If you're saying it was so much better then, you're downgrading where you are in the moment. Naturally, you're saying, well, that's better than it is now, so now isn't all that Great, ultimately, is what we're saying. And that's going to strip the heart of your thankfulness that might have otherwise been there. Perhaps that's some of the reason why the wisdom of Solomon advises this. Do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it's not wise to ask such questions. Now, that same danger of of the rosy glasses exists as you look forward also. It's not just as we look back, but also as we look forward, because you might be in a circumstance right now where you're saying to yourself, I cannot wait until I'm done with this and I'm on to that. I can't wait until whatever this hardship is that I'm going through, that I'm over it, and I'm now on into the past. Now, I know there are plenty of us who are looking into the future, and it's like, I, I do not anticipate, I don't welcome that at all, what inevitably is coming. But you know what I'm talking about. There's circumstances that come up, and it's like, my life is going to be better as soon as I'm free of this, whatever this might happen to be in your life. We all find ourselves there, whatever heartache or trouble or illness. And even if things do get better, the focus on that is the thing that we're longing for, still going to gut your thankfulness in the moment, because it's that day that I'm living for. It's that day when things are going to be good. Therefore, it's that day when I'll have real reason to give thanks to God for what has transpired in my life. 
and we're gutting what's happening today. It's a problem because when we live for a future reality, we steal our present joy. When we live for a future reality, we steal our present joy. Some of us are living in a persistent state of unhappiness and dissatisfaction because of our focus on the troubles of this world, wishing that things were as they were or would be as one day I hope that they will be. And we get stuck there. Nothing wrong with praying for good days ahead, but there's an abundance of things to be thankful for in the moment. And making the effort to find them around you and give thanks for them is quite likely something that can transform your whole outlook and maybe for the first time make you a person who has experienced real, real joy and peace where you are instead of only it having to be how it was or how one day I hope it will be, that we can live in the moment that we can celebrate who we are in the moment instead of looking these directions. What can you give thanks to God for today? If you're willing to look in, to consider, to prayerfully go down that road, there's plenty of things you can jump into without life just being about what was or what will be. And that leads to one final truth, and that is that living thankful multiplies contentment. It multiplies contentment. If you're giving thanks in all circumstances we've been talking about, we're naturally finding the blessing in the moment. And if you're finding the blessing in the moment, then you're going to be living in greater contentment. It's the way that it works. Maybe you're a person who wrestles with being discontented oftentimes, and you're wanting to be a person who can move in the direction of greater contentment. I can't really think of a better way or a faster way to move yourself there than to, to transform that perspective than to start by giving thanks, living a thankful life where you are, to set you up for the understanding that God is present and God is with you. Look at what the Apostle Paul says, wrote to the church in Philippi, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Remember how we saw earlier that he's, uh, he's got this place that he's being thankful in every circumstance, and now here we find that he's content in every circumstance. You think there's some connection between thanksgiving and contentment. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Plus he says here that he's learned to be content, which I think is interesting because oftentimes I think that we come at contentment sort of with this perspective that contentment is, is sort of like a personality trait. It's something that you, you have or you don't. Either you're, you're just a contented person, that's your, your personality, or you're not. But that's not the case. He's saying he learned to be content, which suggests to us perhaps Paul wasn't all that naturally content in and of himself but here he is saying he has learned that. He has moved in that direction. And just like contentment is not an attribute you have or you don't, similarly, it's not a product of what's going on in your life or what's not going on in your life. He continues here, Philippians 4. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul had experienced the waves of the ups and the downs of life, ups and downs, the hardships, the good times. But through that all, what he is saying is he has learned to be content. So in the waves of, of the ups and downs of life, he is marching his way through with contentment, in that spirit of contentment. 
And that only comes as he has perspective of the one who is providing. And that even in the most difficult of times, he can remember and celebrate that which God has provided for him. He's celebrating that he has a sovereign God who is meeting his needs, whatever the circumstances around him might be. Remember what we said earlier. We don't just give thanks because of what comes. We give thanks because of who is. And that's exactly why Paul can take on this perspective that he has to be content in any and every situation. I think of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. They had everything. They had the bounty of the garden itself. They had one another that God had uniquely designed for one another. They had fellowship with God. They had meaningful work to do. They had access to the tree of life. They had everything. It was literally perfect. Then the deceiver came and pointed out the one thing that they didn't have. And all of a sudden, it overrules for everything that they had. All they could see was what they didn't have. And that sowed the seed of discontentment. And we can find ourselves right there. For all of the things that we have, for all of the blessings that are present in our life, it's so easy to focus on that one thing that we don't. And it can overshadow and overrule everything else as it did for Adam and Eve and led them to their deadly choice. And it can for us as well. Jesus' half-brother James talked about this in the book that bears his name, this idea of discontentment and a lack of gratitude, that it's actually a form of deception. That we're being deceived ourselves when we can't live thankful. Here's actually what he wrote. Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. What he is saying is that everything that we have from God is a gift from him, that we might not be deceived. Now you might say, no, no, no. The things that I have, I've worked really hard for the things that I've got. I've put my hands to work, and I've earned all that I have been given. Now, I might ask you, well, who gave you your hands? But even apart from that, that's a perspective you can take on if you want. You just have to recognize that if you do so, you're holding that in direct opposition to the clear testimony of the Scriptures, which tell us it is from God. Paul invites us to go in a different direction. He writes to Timothy, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Here again, Paul is emphasizing the things that we have are things that we've been endowed with apart from ourselves. What did he say? For we brought nothing into the world. That realization should cause a spirit of gratitude to rise up in us. And I think that it's interesting here in these verses to Timothy that they come in a broader context about money. And here, too, we need to learn contentment because it seems to me that this is perhaps the number one area where we're perhaps most susceptible to becoming uncontent or discontent because it's so easy to do the comparison game when it comes to money, when it comes to what we have. And it's so easy to do because you can see what that other person has. You can see what they drive. You can see what they wear. You can see where they live and on and on and on. Now, we don't tend to 
consider or take into account because we don't know it, what sort of debt they might have put themselves in. We don't factor that in when it comes to contentment or a lack of contentment. Living thankful guards against that sort of jealousy because acknowledging, we're acknowledging the good gift of God to us. And whether somebody else has more than we have or whether they've got less than we have, it really doesn't matter because God has provided for you in the specific way that you have your need. That God has never left a need that you have gone go unmet. Whether you have more than another or less than another, it doesn't matter. Future you is going to celebrate the future once you can break out of that sort of comparison trap. So what we're called to, what you're called to, is live your life. Live your life. The one that God has given to you, the place that he has put you. If you can improve yourself, if you can move yourself forward, then go ahead and do that. But where you are in the present, it should be something that we can acknowledge and recognize that God has blessed us with. There is something in the moment where we are that is reason for rejoicing, reason for celebration. So live your life. Live thankful. And future you will be blessed. Now, I hope that as we've made our way along in this series that you have been making commitments of yourself. Because we've been thinking about who we want future you to be. We've actually had eight different installments in this future you series. And here you can see on the screen what those different ones were. And I hope you've been making commitments all the way along as God has spoken to you, as you've recognized that here are some areas that I might be able to grow. So we started by talking about pursuing God just going after him, learning more of who he is, being in his word, prayer, all of those sorts of things, choosing relationships, about the ones that we're in that we know aren't necessarily healthy or ones that we need to foster. Talked about controlling habits. Maybe there's a habit you have. Maybe you've already said to God, this is something I'm getting rid of. I hope that you've made that commitment or here's something I need to take on. Taking action, being generous, living that sort of life, resisting temptation, letting go and living thankful. Again, I hope that all along the way that as we've come through each of these weeks, you've, you've done that self-examination on where you are and, and where it is that you recognize that God would be calling you to go and you've been taking those steps. And whether you have or whether you haven't, I want us to wrap this up together with making one sort of statement of who we are and where it is that we're wanting to go. So maybe they're in your journal, and bring those back, by the way, next week. We're going to continue on in our next series with that same journal. But right there in the journal, you may write a statement, or maybe on your phone in your notes section, or just somewhere where you'll see it and be reminded. Maybe you want to make it a wallpaper on your phone. Something like this. For the benefit of future you, or future me, you might write it, I'm committing to this. For the benefit of future you, I'm committing to this. How would you fill in that blank? Again, hopefully along the way you've been making these commitments. Maybe you find yourself here today and it's like, you know what, I, there's, there's really not something that I would have said this is what I'm all in about. Well, here's your opportunity. For the benefit of future you, I'm committing to this. Write that down. Make that commitment and keep it. 
I also want to mention again, before we wrap this up completely, that we want you, I want you to write yourself a letter. If you were with us a couple of weeks ago, we did this right here in the service. We took some time and, and you wrote out those letters. If you weren't with us or if you didn't write one then and you'd like to, or if you're one of the few people who didn't actually address your letter, and so we don't know exactly who it's supposed to go to, and so those we've just discarded. If you think that might be you, you might want to write another one. But um, what we're doing is we're writing a letter to our future self saying, here's maybe where I am, or here's a commitment that I'm making toward the future, and you're going to write it, you're going to seal it, you're going to put your address on it, and you're going to turn it into us, and a year from now, we're going to send it back to you. Nobody will look at it, nobody's going to know what you write. Now, if you are, if you... Uh, weren't with us, you want to do that. Those cards to write yourself that letter are available. If you're in on the Chippewa campus, they are in, uh, in the lobby just opposite the information center. Or if you're in Classic, you'll find that in the back of the room. Or if you're in the Moon campus, you'll find it also in the back of the room. You can write these out, seal them, leave them with us today, put your address on it, and we'll send it back to you in a year. It is my deepest prayer that in this and through this Future You series, we wouldn't just be stuck or finding ourselves down the road in the same place that we are today. You find yourself in places today where no doubt you're saying, I wish that I was further along than I was or than I am in this area or in that area. There are some things I wish were true of me today that just aren't true and the rationale, the reason for that is because there are some things we need to actually put ourselves on a path to get ourselves to the outcome. Well, that's what this series is about, is looking toward the future, understanding this is who I want to be, recognizing there's a decision I need to make today. And we've got eight different areas that we have been focusing on. It's my prayer that we wouldn't just be stuck, that we wouldn't get to a year from now or five years from now and say, I so much wish that this were true of me, but it's not. You have that opportunity for willing to dig in today. Live the life that God has called you to be, to live. Live thankful. And future you will be abundantly grateful for what you've done in this moment. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> we thank you for the fact that you have a future in store for us, that you have a purpose for us, that you have planned that out that you have called us to be yours, you have made us in your image, you have shaped us to be certain people. And Lord, sometimes we resist that. And that has us living here today in a way and in a place that is not satisfied with where we are. We wish that we were somewhere further along the journey. Well, this is our opportunity to be further along the journey down the road. So Lord, I pray that you might work in us, that you might transform us, that you might give us the courage of those convictions to take the steps we need to today, and specifically on this day, to live thankful, as that can transform who we are and where it is that we're going. There's so much for which we have reason to give thanks, and we seek to do, to do that in following your encouragement, your word, to be the people you've called us to be, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.